Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, let's get this thing going. Once again, we've got another really, really cool Apple podcast review. So if you guys want to hear your name or your review read, drop them on Apple podcast. And uh, so the one that I'm excited to share with you today is from J.N. Stange. I know who this one is. This one's John Stange. He's written a book. I'm so thankful he uh, reviewed us. He's written a book called uh, Dwell on These Things. It's coming out soon. So uh, jump on Amazon and buy his book, Dwell on These Things. I've had a chance to read it and review it, and it's fantastic. But anyway, to his review. So John says, fantastic show. Dan Dan does such a great job hosting this show, well worth listening to. Dan has a conversational interview style, and his heart for helping fathers lead in their homes is very evident. I love his approach to this important topic fantastic show so thank you john i appreciate you being our itunes our apple podcast review of the week so now on to our show thanks everybody for listening in i have got a guest that i'm super excited to to talk with today him and i both share a number of different things from our background and then also so many things that are so different (laughs) this is going to be a conversation i'm really really excited to have so we'll start with some similarities um uh, our guest was in the uh, in the army, and he was also an army ranger. And I also was in the army, and I watched the army rangers climb onto the plane that we helped load, and then they, then they would take off and go somewhere. So <laughs> he actually jumped out of the planes. I watched him board and jump out of the. I, di- I didn't do any of the jumping, but our guest today did. His name is Marek Rudak. And we rehearsed that before the show, on and on and on. Feel free and correct me, Merrick, but welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And what a wonderful uh, Apple podcast review. I hope uh, I don't destroy your trend. <laughs> 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 this will not be the last positive uh, review you've gotten. Uh, but thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you for uh, being part of the, the team that uh, ensured that those airborne operations are safe because it's, it's very risky. People get hurt. People have gotten hurt. People have died. And so in, in this type of operation, no role is too small. Everybody's role makes a big difference. So, so thank you so much for, for being there. I'm not sure if we like overlap time-wise, but it does, you know, irregardless, your job made a difference. And, and the people who made those jumps safely are definitely very appreciative of your, of your work. Yeah, I think our time in Fort Bragg was like right on the edge of each other. Yeah, so yeah. we may have overlapped for a second. We may not have, but that was really cool being able to serve at the same place and knowing where you were for quite some time. So that's really cool. In addition to being an army ranger and with the 82nd and those type things, you're also a leadership coach. You've also come from a place of, of no faith, meaning like geography wise, Poland, communist Poland. Mm -hmm. And so you've got all kinds of just, just fantastic things for us Mm -hmm. to talk about today. 
Sure, sure. All over the map. Let, let's start with some military stuff. Cool. I love swapping military stories mm-hmm. with guys. So going back to when you were in, what's something that maybe a funny story or something that you like just remember and it stayed with you over the years? Wow. There's, there's so many, you know, it's like, um, like the, for whatever reason that what, there's the story comes from me, uh, from actually Ranger school. Uh, it was actually, um, you know, what happens on, on the first day, you have a lot of, uh, different tests like PT tests, swim tests, and yeah. literally like hundreds of, well, hundreds, tens, tens of people drop off. Uh, and so like, for example, I did this one, uh, it was the swim test. So long story short is the combat water survival test. And what you have to do, part of it is, is I forget the exact distance, but I want to say about 10 yards swim with full gear. I'm like 10 yards. Cool. I'm with you. <laughs> well, you know, oh, it's funny. Full because, gear. Hold on a second. Yeah. So 10 yards doesn't seem like much. And even the gear is not so bad, but you know, what's really hard is, is having Did you have boots, boots on. on? That's, that's what it is. Because like essentially like these boots with water, they're like 50 pound weights just like attached to your feet. And, and so, so long story short is when, when I first uh, showed up to the infantry officer basic course, I actually failed that it's a swim test, you know, and, and it's like, uh, I, I um, almost drowned, you know, <laughs> and, and, and then, uh, and then, um, and the problem is because I was brute forcing it, you know, a, a lot of times you kind of like self-taught and it's good enough for government job, but when you got those boots on, it's, it's a different story. So once, once I learned the stroke that you're supposed to glide, you know, not, not use, use, uh, just use all muscle that, that helped me. But, but so I, I did very well on, on, on that portion, but there's like another portion where you actually have to jump off the platform and it's not too, too tall. It's like three, I want to say like three meters. And basically the whole idea is, is, is you equipment, you, you're blindfolded. And w- what they're looking for is that you don't panic and you, you just, you just carry on. And so with that one, you know, ironically, you know, the, 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 the part that I, I was really training for and feared a little bit was no problem that 10 yard swim, no worries. And I, you know, I got to the tower, I thought, oh, this is easy peasy. You know, I jump in and for, I mean, I've done this thing like at least 10 times before, no issues whatsoever, but this one time I jump in and when I jump in, it's like the air got knocked out of me. I was like, oh, you know, and it's like, I don't know if you ever experienced that where you just you, you can't, I have. Can't breathe, breathe. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? I, I can't breathe. But the thing is like, if you show panic, they, they kick you out, you know? And so I'm like, oh, please, Lord, please, Lord. Like I, I, back then I wasn't much of a, uh, I wasn't a believer, but you know, in those moments, you, you, your faith comes back to you. <laughs> and and I, I, I was like, don't panic, don't panic, just just wait. And then like out of nowhere, I was able, able to breathe and, and no, nobody saw anything. But it's just, you know, I, I believe that's really, um, the reason why I like that story is because that's really, I don't know about you, but that's what I get out of military. It teaches you to persevere for extra few seconds you know, these extra amounts of time that don't seem significant of their own. But in that case, that couple of extra seconds was the difference between me graduating and not graduating. And so that's, that's why I like that story. And then, you know, that's kind of the biggest thing I, I got from the military is, is learning to persevere for, you know, an extra second, extra minute, maybe extra day, Ooh, because you right don't know there. the day or the hour when the Holy Spirit kicks in or things change. And that may be the difference between winning and losing. I was in high school when you're talking about getting the wind knocked out of you. I was on the wrestling team and this guy hip tossed me and I landed square on my back, just Mm. flush Mm. all the air just, and the guy jumps on top of me to pin me Why he had zero fight. Like I was Mm. just, and my buddy, his nickname was fat. So fat, if you're listening, I'm not calling you fat. I'm just using your nickname. In fact, the guy climbs up, you know, he goes, pin done and the guy gets off me and fat looks at he goes you all right 
<laughs> I'm not saying anything because I can't. I have no yeah, idea. He goes, yeah. hey, you all right? I don't move nothing. He goes, can you breathe? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, and, and you're like, dear Lord. And that, I'm like, oh, God. I might die. I cannot breathe. Yeah. Please yeah. help me. And, and fat is just looking at me like he doesn't know he's confused. Mm -hmm. I'm like, literally, I, I feel like I might die. Like this, mm -hmm. there's a major problem happening and I cannot mm -hmm. express it to you. Somebody help me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's freaky. I mean, I guess that's why waterboarding is so effective as a torture technique. Uh, because like it, when I think about the, the times that what I was the most scared is like when you're fighting for air, something you take so for granted, it just freaks me out. So I, I've never been waterboarded, but I can see how that's an effective torture technique. There was another time now that you bring up water. I was going over some waterfalls. There's this place called Johnson Shuddens. It was at flood stage. Mm -hmm. It's south of St. Louis and just amazing, beautiful nature place. Love to connect with God there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was at flood stage when we went. And my cousin got sucked down this river mm -hmm. and I kind of followed her. Mm -hmm. And I realized she was in trouble. So I tried to keep up with her and mm -hmm. went over waterfall after waterfall after waterfall. And I thought, and I, you know, I was taking water in and it was getting mm -hmm. bad. And I said, God, I think I can do one more of these. Mm -hmm. If there's one more, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And I'll figure it out. And then one more happened. I got shot way down. My shorts slipped off me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've got two choices. I can drown and have shorts on. Mm -hmm. I can let these shorts go. Yeah. And I'll live because mm -hmm. I'm sure that was the last waterfall. And I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what? I want these shorts. Mm -hmm. So I cinched them up, somehow made it to the top. And I was, I was done. Mm -hmm. I'm like, thank you, God, for saving me. And yeah. there's this another waterfall. And I said, oh, this is it. I'm finished. I just died. I come over this waterfall and I look to my left and I'm thinking to myself, God, I love you, man. I can't believe this is it, but this is it. Just peaceful. Just right. sunshine's coming in. Mm -hmm. And I look over and I see this green arm floating in the water. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is that? But whatever it is, I think it's the hand of God and mm -hmm. I should grab a hold. Mm -hmm. So I snatch this arm and grab this hand and the water pulls me and I lose my grip. I thought, God, if that was you saving me, what just happened? And all of a sudden that arm instead reaches back and snatches me and pulls me out of the water. Wow. And I'm like, so excited to see literally the face of God. Mm -hmm. And instead it's this guy. <laughs> and he goes, was that fun? <laughs> I said, you don't understand, mister. <laughs> he says, well, it looked like you had fun. Can I send my kids down and... <laughs> Oh, he didn't realize he saved your life. <laughs> so I'm like, man, I, I thought I literally was going to die. And like, mm. never mind. You don't understand where I'm coming from. I can, I'm spitting water out. I'm trying mm. to, you know, Heimlich maneuver myself and get all the water. But it was so funny. But that was another time where the action was just gone. And I'm praying to God. So it's funny when you're within an, a second of dying. <laughs> That's where immediately where that's those thoughts go, no matter where you are in life, I think. So, yeah. Amen. oh, my Amen. goodness. So. So, yeah, that that and that in the military, when I was in also that same mindset, mm -hmm. like just a little bit further, just keep mm -hmm. going like 
somebody else is doing it. So I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to keep going like that. That's been a theme in my life over and over and over again. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't quit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Another thing that comes to my mind, I'm a very visual person. Have you, have you ever seen that movie any given Sunday? Yeah. With Al Pacino, one of my favorite TV, I guess, movie speeches. He talks about the game of inches, you know, what, what a powerful analogy, you know, inch, inch. And uh, those inches don't seem like much, uh, by themselves but when you add them up it's the difference between winning and losing and it's just a uh, very powerful speech and, and and very powerful images and, and very true yeah life's hard by the yard but a cinch by the inch mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you do you do enough of those little steps and you look backwards over time and you're like why well, i've i've made some distance i've done Amen. some things Amen. so yeah yeah really cool really cool you ever have a time where you're outside of the time where you almost drown mm-hmm. where or, or the, the time where you, you went off the step and, mm-hmm. and lost your oxygen, where you felt you really needed something extra. I imagine going through the, the through ranger school or something, there was a time yeah. where you yes. felt like you were at the edge. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, I obviously I, I've been um, tested and, and, and pushed and, and learned a lot in, in the army, Iraq and Afghanistan, but actually the by far the, the most painful event of my life and, you know, nothing, nothing came close to it since has been my divorce, uh, my divorce. The reason being is that the, the, the reason my divorce came about is, is my ex-wife cheated on me with her boss. And, and that's something that I just, I mean, when I found out to this day, I'll, I'll never forget that day. It's, it's just, I, I, it's like a bomb went off. I just kept saying, Jesus. And then, but back then I wasn't really, um, you know, somebody who was of faith. I mean, I, I had the education, but to me, it was something, you know, nice people do, but it, it was such a dagger to the heart that all I could say was just Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Gee, and I, I don't even know how long I did it for. It's like the time stopped to just like the world as I knew it just got turned upside down. And, and just like, it, it made me feel like I, I don't even know what's going on because, you know, like with my wife, we, we, with my ex-wife, we didn't have a great marriage, but I thought I could trust her. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that I think you could really relate to it from the military military perspective is that, you know, we trust is very important to us. You know, to us, it's, it's a it's a difference between uh, living and dying. And obviously, whatever you know, you serve and people have different religions, sexual orientations, things like that. But, you know, that in the day when the bullets start flying, they get your back. And that's how I, I thought of, of my marriage is that I knew it wasn't a great marriage. But I thought that uh, my wife has my back when it comes to important things. And at the time, I did, both of my parents were deceased. And so when that happened, I it just like everything I knew up at that date just got thrown out the window. Uh, and it was super painful. It, um, it, you know, there were days um, uh, where I didn't sleep. I, you know, the, like weeks or literally when I couldn't sleep, I was super stressed. Um, and it was very painful. But yet looking back, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because that's what exactly what I needed to start my walk, walk back to Christ because I realized that everything I, I did at that time, which was, you know, in my mind, you know, mind blowing things like going to West Point, graduating from Ranger School, as wonderful that it, as it was on its own meant nothing uh, without God. And so that's when that foundation of, of me building things on my own crumbled and as painful as it was, it was a perfect start point of building a real foundation with God at the center. Wow. Let's talk about the divorce for a second, but mm-hmm. let's, let's step into that building things on your own. Cause mm-hmm. there's some, there's something there. I think a lot mm-hmm. of guys relate to that of the, the achievement that they're going for or that they've had, sure. like 
what's that story for you? Yeah, so to me, it started really, you know, kind of like I'm 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 a amateur philosopher, and I, I like to really get to the root of things. So, you know, that that really started with my childhood. I, I had a very abusive grandfather. Long long story short, what happened is uh, my parents were married, but my dad never lived with us. So it was basically like I was a child of divorce, and so my father figure was my abusive grandfather. Man, he was just so. Um, so aggressive so like um he, he knew exactly the words to say to make you feel like total crap you know and it just uh, even to this day like when i think some of the things he said i, I can recall that tightness in my chest um you know he, he just made me feel like um like i was used like like i was crap and he did that to the whole family and and so um i i, I grew up with this uh, inner wound of feeling like I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't confident enough, you, you name it, what enough. Uh, but I, I did pretty well in school, you know? Uh, and so to me, I thought that the way to compensate for that um, destroyed confidence in, in my childhood was by accomplishments. So, you know, first I started getting grades, you know, that got me into West Point. Then, then at West Point, I realized, oh man, I'm, I'm actually like pretty fit guy. So I did very, very physically. And, and so I thought that uh, as you kind of put these tabs on your uniform, these badges on your uniform, uh, that will compensate for uh, that wound that was given to me as a child. But the thing about it was, I didn't realize it as such. To me, I thought this is what men do. Um, and so it's, it's perfectly a uh, good thing to do. But in my mind, I did it uh, for the wrong reasons. In other words, I, 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 I did it because I, I want to grow and, and develop. But really, if you kind of peel back the onion, I did it because uh, my confidence was destroyed. And I thought that if I put these tabs and badges, then that will give me the confidence. But the thing about it is, is like, it's, it's never enough. It's never enough. And so to me, it was like, first it was the badges. It was enough. Then it was corporate America and the paycheck. It was enough. Then I, I thought it was going to be marriage. And then the marriage blew up and the whole house of cards blew up. And that made me realize how all of these things, um, when you don't address the root cause, you don't have the proper foundation, doesn't matter how, how nice of a house you build without proper foundations, it's only a matter of time till it crumbles. Yeah, for sure. That achievement and, and uh, Chad, Chad Williams was on the podcast a while back. He was a Navy SEAL and he said mm. one of the worst days of his life was the day after he graduated from Navy, school, Navy SEAL training from BUDS. He's like... I did it and I reached the summit and that was what I wanted to get to. And then I realized that it was nothing. It, it wasn't anything there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, don't get me wrong. If I had to do my life all over again, I would have done a lot of things differently. I still would have went to West Point. I still would have joined the military, but to be hundred percent honest with you, the main reason why I joined the military is because I saw these people on TV or on the movies in uniform with military yeah. experience, with confidence, like, man, I want to be just like that. And, and I, I'm that, with you. When I was yeah, at Fort Bragg yeah. and we saw the cool Ranger tab yeah, yeah. and those Rangers walking around, there's everybody else. And mm -hmm. then there was the Rangers. Well, there's Delta Force too. But I was like, <laughs> those Rangers, those guys look like they got it. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's the thing. There's always the next level. So there's special forces, but wait, above special forces, Delta Force. But wait, above Delta Force, there's even a uniform units that are not even identified. So it's like, you can keep going, keep going. And, and you know, if you have that mindset, of, of reaching the pinnacle. There's never such thing as a pinnacle. So going on that higher level and that pinnacle, I know physical fitness has been important to you. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about some of the things that you've done there, some things that you think that physical fitness has helped you or men in life with? 
Sure. So, you know, there's obviously a, a lot of um, clear benefits to, to fitness. Uh, so what I'll try to do is I'll, I'll try not to talk about the obvious, like, you know, cholesterol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, like w w one of the things that I really enjoy about fitness, it, it, it helped me feel like a kid again, you know? And so like one of the main things I, I got that feeling from was CrossFit. And, you know, I, when I, when I grew up, you know, kind of going to the, to my abusive grandfather, I was a fat kid. He, he made fun of me for like, you know, being fat and not being fit and being the slowest kid in class. Uh, and so now all of a sudden I, I get to do things that I could never do as a kid. So for example, things like handstand pushups, uh, double <laughs> unders, uh, you know, uh, overhead squats. And, and so like doing these things, um, aside from the, the physical fitness benefits, it, it just, it's very relaxing. It makes you feel like a kid again. And it helps you realize like, like how much uh, our mind is an obstacle because there's like a lot of exercises that when I start crossing, I'm like, Oh, no way. I'll never be able to do it. And then, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but like in a year or two, I was able to do it, no problem. And so to me, it just, it's a, it's like a perfect case study to, to prove to your mind just how much it lies to you to keep you safe. And yes, you stay safe, but you know, like there's a saying that, you know, yes, ships are safe in Harbor, but that's not what the ships are built for. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Fitness has really helped me as well. Just uh, men, it helps keep me mentally sharp. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. things do get difficult, I think back of oftentimes about the difficult physical things I've done. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I can do that, then I can get past this mental challenge that I'm having. As we talked about earlier, I can keep going. Yeah. yeah <laughs> this yeah. isn't the end. I've got more in me. I just have to work through it. And, uh, you know, whether it's mental, physical, or, you know, asking God for help or, you know, all these different things, but yeah, physicals help me out so many different ways. And then you can do like CrossFit. I'm sure you love your buddies at the gym, wherever it is that you do CrossFit yeah, at. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't actually do CrossFit anymore because I'm at an age where it's probably diminishing returns, but I, I definitely appreciate that time. Uh, and so nowadays, especially with COVID, uh, I was able to build my home gym and, and, and use some of those skill sets from, from CrossFit, but, uh, but it doesn't necessarily be CrossFit. It's, it's just whatever connects with you, uh, you know, it could be running, could be weightlifting, but I, I really encourage you at all possible, do it in group setting as much as possible, because that's how you make friends. That's how you uh, learn. That's how you push each other, you know, in, in a friendly way. And obviously I understand right now with COVID, it's a bit of a challenge, but you know, it should be, should be much longer. And so I, I encourage you, you know, who, who's ever listening, if, if fitness is a challenge, try to do it in a group setting. That doesn't have to be cross. It could be Orange Theory. There's a lot of wonderful things. And I know these places are going to be more than happy to welcome you in after COVID. Uh, so you not only get physical fitness, but also that sense of community, which in turn will help you be not only more fit, but also more connected in your community. Yeah. So you show up to a community, wherever it is, uh -huh. where you know somebody or you don't know somebody. If you're willing to get better, they're not going to make fun of you. I mean, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these people are in the same boat, you know? Yeah. So like that, that, that's kind of like what I like in CrossFit. Like I, I was good at some things that other people were in, but other people were good at things that I wasn't, you know, because it's yeah. such, a, such a wide, you know, like CrossFit is a sports of fitness. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily be CrossFit. I mean, there could be other like fitness regimens, uh, but whenever you go to a community, there's never going to be anybody who's like, perfect at everything and so yeah. and so you can learn it from each other you can encourage each other and some of the best conversation i've had was in between doing deadlifts and in between doing bench presses and to me that was kind of like how i warmed up into opening up because you know i think that 
it's safe to say that we as men, we're not very good about opening up. And I certainly wasn't. Now, nowadays, I have no problem with it, but it, it wasn't something I was born with. It then wasn't something that I really started practicing in my mid-30s. And one of the best ways to practice it was actually by doing something that was comfortable, which was physical fitness and, you know, having those conversations between the lifts that helped me and prepped me for having those deeper conversations down the road. And, and that's what I consider now to be a superpower, not only my coaching, but also developing relationships. I mean, like we, we connect at a conference and, you know, yeah. my, my, my guess is that part of the reason why you reached out to me is because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to talk about my uh, dirty laundry, not because I want to talk about it, but in a way to encourage other people and make them realize that, Hey, you're not the only one, you know, everybody's struggling. I've struggled too. This is how I've done it. And you can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. So I imagine I grew up in that way. And most guys did where we, we aim for perfection. We don't admit when we're wrong. We hold it all in to the outside world. We're perfect. I can imagine growing up in communist Poland, that that was absolutely the way to go. And yeah. It's, you know, in, in communist Poland, it's um, you know, that, that, that is true. But also another thing about communist Poland is um, in communist, you, you, you kind of, you, you, you also told to uh, not to stand out, you know? And so for example, like w- w- one way you, you kind of get conditioned into it is that like me, I'm, I was never hungry. I was never naked, but we basically had like same types of pants, same types of shoes. So everybody basically kind of looked yeah, the same. Yeah. Right. And, and so, and so that still applies, but also I think in the communism, the kind of the, the unique aspect of it is, is that the, the system is, is made, made, is made to have you conform. So that way, like when you try to step out, you know, that takes extra courage, you know? So it's kind of like a, a balancing act where obviously you want to perform, you know, as a man, you want to be perfect. Uh, but I think in, in a communist setting, it's that perfection is, is your ability to fit into this predefined mold that is expected to of you as a, as a citizen of, of that particular communist regime. I just talked to a good friend of mine. He's a pretty amazing guy, great marriage, great kids. And he's got a kid that's pretty exceptional at a few different things. And he's mm-hmm. lacking in a particular area. And for some reason, uh, my buddy had to go talk to the principal of the kid's school. Mm-hmm. And he says, he was talking about um, some sporting event or something like that. And the principal's like, oh, no, you wouldn't want to do that. You'd want to make for sure that they kind of fit in and blend. And he's like, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question, Mr. Principal. Are you saying that everybody gets a trophy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody gets a trophy. He's like, well, what if my kid is like exceptional at school or, you know, what have you? Well, no, I want them to kind of blend in and we treat everybody the same. And no, we don't look at personality types or any of that. We treat everybody the same and we keep them all in, you know, a a B type. And he's like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. And his wife, they leave and his wife's like, we got to get our kid out of this school. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're exploring options right now. Some of them are pretty pricey, but they're willing to spend kind of higher dollar stuff or move or whatever the case is. But yeah, it's, it's funny how people don't recognize that, uh, that blending in and keeping everybody the same. It's like, no, whatever your talents are, let's grow them and use our gifts and, you know, do the best we can. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think some people think it's, think it's binary. It's one or the other, you know, I think there's, there's times where you, we want to blend in. You, there are times where to be civil and, you know, have kind of common rituals, but at the same time, you also want to have opportunity for people to flourish. And, you know, and I think, I think a lot of times people think it's binary, but I think that there's an opportunity to, uh, to find that uh, middle ground for, for, for different areas of your life. I remember when I got in the military, my dad's advice to me from him being in the military was don't stand out. Mm. 
whatever you do, figure out a way to be around everybody and never get outside of the pack. You don't want those guys to know who you are. And so very first day, they're like, all right, who's a college graduate? I step forward. Like, uh oh, (laughs) nobody else. (laughs) Like, you're the leader. I'm like, Mm -hmm. dear God, please help me. I don't know what just happened, but dad's one rule was blended and it's day one within five minutes and i'm already standing out so that that actually worked out really really well i'm glad it <laughs> glad it happened awesome. the way that it did yeah that, that's how we grow it's it's to step into that you know blending in it's uh it's got a price you know it's it's more comfortable but it comes at the um sacrifice of growth you know that's it's growth is not comfortable but um that's that's how you get better yeah have you got a time that you can think of just any random thing where you were uncomfortable, but decided to, to make a move? Oh, well, a, a lot of them. I think that probably the, the biggest one, and it's actually kind of ties into my, my, my biggest fear is, is quitting my job, you know, quitting my job because um, between West Point and my active duty time, I was 10 years in, in the army. And then um, because I was in the army, uh, I, I thought that my superpower, if you will, was bigger organizations. And so that's part of the reason why I ended up at ExxonMobil, which is, you know, was, and I guess it still is, is, is a big corporation, even though they're going through a downturn. And I thought that was my, my superpower was working with these big power structures, you know, leveraging, synergizing, you know, you kind of insert your favorite uh, corporate buzzword. And so when it came, and I remember all along this time, I always kind of look at these people who have their own business, you know, and it didn't matter if it was some, you know, big entrepreneur like Elon Musk or just kind of like a mom and pop flower shop. And I always thought to myself, man, these guys, that's amazing. Have your own business. But I was, and I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. But that's not me. That's not me. You know, I'm a big organization guy. And so that's kind of like the story I was telling myself. And, and, you know, even when I decided that I need to start my own business, it, it was an overnight process because I got my coaching certification and I knew this was my calling in life, but it's scary. It's, it's, it's really scary to, to step out on your own and, uh, and give up that big corporate paycheck. And it took me, oh my goodness, it probably took me about two years to actually do it. And, and I, was, I was really, to, to be honest with you, I was really f- trying to find excuses not to do it. And in fact, when I met my wife, I met her at a, at a Catholic uh, retreat for young adults. And uh, obviously I sensed some attraction and, um, and, and I, was, I was trying to kind of like use it that maybe I could stay, stay at ExxonMobil. I was like, well, you know, it's like, let, let me tell her what I want to do. And I'm pretty sure she's going to tell you, tell me I'm crazy because, you know, she, she was, she's an attorney here, mid thirties, you know, she's probably looking for, for a real man, somebody who has a, who can provide, who has a stable paycheck, not some, you know, uh, right. Wanna be entrepreneur in, in his late thirties. <laughs> so I thought when I tell her that she's going to tell me to was like, Oh, are you crazy? But, but she was super supportive. And so after that, I was like, man, I have no more excuses. It's time to jump in. And it's been hard. It's been challenging, but it's led to a lot of growth. And, uh, and whatever happens, I know that on my deathbed, I, I will not say what if. I, I know that whatever I wanted to do, I, I pursued it right, wrong, or different. That's fantastic. And that's so cool to have a, a wife like you have mm-hmm. that absolutely blessed you and said, now go for it. Like that, that's okay. Let's let's do this. Yeah. And you know, at first I thought it's it might be um how can I say it might be a disadvantage because I have to think about like the family. It, it might be um, something that would slow my, slow down my thinking process, but it actually it's the opposite. I think that had I not married her and had I went into business by myself, I'm 99% sure I probably would have been back in corporate America. 
<laughs> right, <laughs> and, right, yes. And, and yes. so, and and so the the funny thing is, is now to be honest with you, even though I'm an army ranger, I deal with these different things. If it wasn't for my wife's encouragement, I, I probably would have been back at a at a desk job with with the uh, you know with, with the tail between my legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a similar experience, and I was leaving one uh, one corporate gig and mm-hmm. looking to looking to move into entrepreneurship. And back then, I did a whole lot more studying and researching before I made a move. And I was just a miserable person. I was so stressed out. I knew I had to jump. Mm-hmm. but I wasn't quite ready to do it yet. And one day my wife says to me, you are so miserable. Right. I'm really tired of living with you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like she's saying we're going for a divorce or anything, but mm-hmm. she just says, you need to jump. You need to make a change. Her, yeah. her words were, you, you need to just quit and go figure something out. You know, I don't care what it is. Yeah. And I let her rest on that for a second. And then she, then she says something she doesn't remember saying. And she cannot believe she said it to this day, but she said, Hey, listen, if flipping burgers will make you happy, go do that. Yeah. I don't care how much money you make. Mm -hmm. And I kind of looked over my shoulders. I'm like, am I actually hearing this (laughs) burden that I placed on my own self of having Mm -hmm. to bring home the paycheck is now no longer there. Amen. I, I now have the confidence of my wife or permission from my wife that I can go do something and try something. And, uh, it didn't take long after that before I was like, all right, done. <laughs> I'm, Amen. I'm, I'm going. And thank, thankfully enough, I met my, my business partner mm-hmm. the day before I was making a huge move. Mm-hmm. I met him at church and he had a, a thing going on where he was never around at church. It was a physical injury. So he's in the hospital instead of where he's, mm-hmm. where I thought he was supposed to be, where all my friends were trying to connect us. And, you know, us being guys, like we don't use the telephone. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I kept waiting for him to physically be yeah. where he was. And everybody kept telling me he's hurt and whatever. And the day before I was going to make a move, he's sitting next to me at, uh, at donut Sunday mm-hmm. <laughs> at the table next to me. And thankfully we connected and it's been a brilliant story ever since, but like truly a God moment, like God yeah. kept leading me in my life different ways and, and hit. And I know you've had tons of those different things. You mentioned the divorce earlier and how that just like broke you as a man. Yeah. Yeah. And God used that experience to bring you through. Are, are there any other learning moments from that that you like to share? Yeah, sure. So that, that was kind of like the, the trigger moment, but I definitely wasn't one of those people who had like a overnight conversion, I guess in my case, reversion, cause I was, I was brought up Catholic. I had all the sacraments. So I, I had the, the search, if you will, and I had the institutional knowledge, but I, my heart wasn't in it for sure. Uh, it, it never was up, up until that point. I mean, I wasn't disrespectful. I was really, you know, in, in a way, I, I remember like even when I was at West Point, you know, there's there's a lot of, there was a lot of Christians there. And, you know, especially in like um, the Protestant folks, like, you know, they would just go through the cadet area with like Bibles in their hands. And I was like thinking, it's like, man, I wish I, I could believe like they do. It's like, that's that's kind of cool, you know, like that they actually like believe. And, and because in my mind, like I... I knew the information, but to me, I, I felt like, you know, this is something that I might look into my retirement. This is what, what nice people do, but to, to graduate, to, you know, to do all these things, I, I need to, uh, I need to use all of my time working on myself so I can do that. I don't have the luxury to, to, to put that in somebody else's hand. You know, that, that was my approach. And, and so the, you know, the divorce was the, the, the spark, uh, but it took me a good number of years to actually walk the talk, you know? And, and so, 
it it started with prayer. Um, definitely, prayer was was a big thing. And I, I think the another pivotal moment for me was actually putting something of importance in, in God's hands. So obviously, I mentioned like starting a business, but even before that, one of the things that was that was a big test for me was I did a lot of online dating. I did a lot mm-hmm. of online dating because I, you know. I kind of had this typical guy engineering approach is like, hey, it didn't work out. So the best thing to do is to throw as many things on the wall as possible and see what sticks, you know? Right, right, yeah. Because it's not me. It's not me. It's just, you know, it's just basically a matter of getting matched up with somebody else. And so, you know, I had a lot of experiences with, with online dating. And, and, you know, what I've noticed is that, especially I was growing my faith, you know, I realized that I was not practicing you know, what the, what the church teaches. And, you know, even, even if, if you're not non-Catholic, you know, there's obviously, uh, I think it's, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, uh, as a Christian, we believe in not having sex before marriage. Obviously the Catholic community has a, has a stricter standard about theology of the body, but I think at the fundamental level, an average uh, Christian will, will, uh, will agree that, you know, sex before marriage is not having sex before marriage is optimal. And, and so what I found is that when I was doing these online dating dates or, or, or whatnot, it's, I had that intention but then, you know, things happen and, you know, and then later on, even when I met, when I was dating Christian, like ladies or even Catholic ladies, well, you know, because we go to church, it's okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that was the rationalization that we use, but, you know, but it's just, I, I just kept having these bad experiences. Obviously, you know, the sex was great, but, you know, it was just a matter of time till the relationship broke apart. And I, I remember just having this, this kind of intuitive feeling that I, I need to start uh, trusting Lord. You know, there's this one thing I remember, like I was in a, in a daily mass once and I don't know who said it. I was trying to research it uh, and I still wasn't able to find the person who said it, but it, it was super powerful. And it basically said, you cannot really say that you believe in God until you trust him, you know? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like one thing to, you know, to, to talk the talk, but another is, is walk the walk. And so, that inspired me to delete all of my daily profiles. And to me, that was like, at the time, because at the time I wasn't thinking about entrepreneurship, I was doing very well at Exxon. So I thought I was gonna be at Exxon for the rest of my career, you know, getting these, you know, 10% raises every single year, you know, that, that, that's what I thought. And so to me, at that time, the most precious thing to me was, was uh, getting remarried, my, my marriage. You know, for a while I did it my way through, you know, yeah. The engineer, not just being on one dating website, you know, as a as an engineer, I was like on five different dating websites to to maximize the the the, the throughput, and and I thought to myself, man, I need to start walking the talk. I need to trust God, and so I deleted all of my dating online profiles. and And it's hard. I don't know. Have you have you ever done online dating then? Or no, was that no, I never, end? I never have. I I thankfully met my wife before mm-hmm. that became a big thing. However, yeah. so many of my guy and and yeah, women yeah. friends have told me their experiences and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, Oh my goodness. Like this yeah. is, ter-. and then at the same time, what, you know, once you reach a certain age, you think that's the only way to meet somebody. Yeah. And you know, and I, I don't want to be like, like a broad brush criticism because I know some, some people met, you know, their ideal partners online. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but uh, more often than not, and especially in my case, it just led to temptation uh, yeah. because yeah. It's, and that's it's what very, I hear from people all the time yeah. is that it's, you know, match.com or whatever, it's more yeah. hookup.com as opposed to yeah. really a match. But then you tell yourself, well, I'm on Christian Mingle. So obviously yeah. this is Christian and it just happens and it just reinforces the idea that, hey, 
this this is you know this is what happens you know in real life and and so and so i deleted and it, it's hard because like these these apps they send i mean they're designed to get you addicted they send you these wings these pop-up messages and obviously all these women they always put their best pictures on on, on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the site so it really feeds your ego and so like when i first quit it it was hard it was like you know it was like you know quitting a drug but uh, uh but that time really helped me to to work on myself instead of just using the high of a new relationship to to brush over the the the, the pain that needs to be inside that actually helped me to to address that pain and so that that helped me to quit pornography it helped me to quit masturbation and i believe that those things all of, all of those things combined prepared me to be able to to love fully and when I met Jesse to give my full love and be able to discern whether the marriage was the best, best course of action, not just me, but, but for both of us. And so it was hard and had help, didn't happen overnight, but uh, it laid that foundation for, of, of love, loving each other for who we are rather than what we can do for each other, rather than having endorphins, you know, drive us into something uh, that might be great at the moment, but in long term covers the fact that we're not compatible at, at very important levels. So that was a conscious decision to get rid of all your profiles. Mm-hmm. And hey, God, I trust you. Amen. It was hard. Uh, and it, it, and again, it's not something that I just happens overnight. I was wrestling with the decision. And, and so the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, sometimes people feel, at least it was me, like you see some of these people uh, that are well known in the Christian world and had that one moment conversion yeah or they they never like really struggle with anything and praise the lord that's great but i remember watching these people and made me think like well these guys are basically chosen by god to be these engineered special species that doesn't don't struggle with people that or you know these guys have not made the same type of mistakes that i've done and because i've done them that maybe that's why i can't do the things that they talk about and so that's that's why the you know what I'm hoping I'm not saying this to brag or or just kind of air my dirty laundry. I'm, what I'm hoping to do is that the people who listen who feel like hey, I, I got you, Marek, but I watched porn for 25 years. There's no way I can quit it. Well, guess what? That's that's how that's how how I was too, and it wasn't easy. But please know that it is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm more like you, where it takes me a little bit of time to yeah. to work through some things. And that conversion moment wasn't snap your fingers. It was a gradual and uh, many different things. It's, t- it's just taken a while, but staying persistent, like we talked about and just keep moving in a direction, keep trusting God. Mm-hmm. F- funny story. I heard the other day, there was this um, high wire act type guy and mm-hmm. he decided he was going to high wire across the Niagara falls oh, wow. way back in the day. And so he mm-hmm. did it. And then he became more daring and kept doing different things. And one day he got this wheelbarrow and he went across the Niagara falls and it was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, I can't believe he did that mm-hmm. on the high wire, on the tightrope. And he gets to where the whole crowd is. And he says, who thinks I can now put somebody into the wheelbarrow and make it across all the way. Everybody mm-hmm. goes nuts. Like this is going to be unbelievable. We're going to yeah. get to see this. This is fantastic. And he says, all right, so you got, you all think I can do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you believe I can do it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> <laughs> Cricket, cricket, <laughs> crickets. Yes. Nobody said they want to get, so that's mm-hmm. where trust comes in. Like, so when yeah, you yeah. fully, fully, fully trust yeah. in God, mm-hmm. are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? Yeah. And, and it's scary, but that's, that's where the growth comes from. But you know, let's look at the Bible. Look at, look at all the major biblical characters. I mean, look at Peter, you know, he, he saw, he was the, you know, God's, I mean, uh, Jesus's chosen disciple. He was the kind of the, the leader, if you will. 
and he saw the miracles. Uh, I mean, like, can you imagine having a, a more front seat experience to, to being with Jesus than, than Peter? And what happened? Even he denied him three times. Yes. And, and same, I guess, you know, well, I guess same thing happened with Judas. But what was the difference is that when that betrayal happened, one came back and the other one didn't. And so and so that's that's to me, it's also, you know, and I guess I'm kind of speaking from my experience. It's very easy for us to assume that, hey, we don't have what it takes. We don't have the genetics or the special favor, if you will. But if you look at the biblical characters, I cannot think of anyone who was just perfect from the get go. All of them, you know, even if they had the favor, fell short at some point. But because they picked themselves up, that's what made them the people that we read about and people that inspire us to to keep growing, to keep 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 moving, to uh, keep reaching God. And because, of, and in fact, because of their, their mistakes, that's what makes them relatable. And, and because of their mistakes, we can find them ourselves in those stories and get encouragement in the times when it feels like things are not going to change. Yeah, I recently heard heard a little shift. Jesus is praying before he gets crucified. You know, God deliver me from this. Mm. Uh, Dad, you know, in his case, deliver me from this. And if it's your will, and you know, mm-hmm. let's move forward. But the thought was, what is one of the one of Jesus's thoughts could be? Hey, I'm about to be betrayed by my friends. And I know that I'm about to be betrayed by my best friend. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that's a whole mm. nother. Like, when we're betrayed by somebody, like you're betrayed by your ex wife. Yeah. Like that, like you said, your whole world was shattered, all your beliefs. Like, yeah. I'm like, wow, Jesus had that too. Like, his, yeah. I, I'm like, I get Peter's side. Like, that's horrible and shameful. And mm-hmm. like, this is terrible. And I can't believe I did this with, uh-huh. like you mentioned, seeing everything firsthand. Mm-hmm. But then if I put myself in Jesus' shoes and go, wow, my best friend's about ready to say he doesn't know yeah. me three times. He kind of puts that whole sweating blood in perspective. <laughs> yes, yes. Just a, an amazing time there. Any other things that, that you think of from to share with the guys, whether it be uh, mm-hmm. from your divorce, whether it be with your new wife, maybe mm-hmm. maybe some breakthroughs that you've had there. It's funny, before you're married and after you're married, sure. how that relationship sure. changes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, kind of the unique situation that I'm in is that I, I did it my way in my first marriage and I saw the consequences and, and I'm doing everything God's way in my in my current marriage. And, and I see it's like, you know, for me, it's not theory. Like some people, you know, some people who are on, on the circuit, you know, they've been married since they were 18. Well, you have like, he had Chris Stefanik, who's like a grandfather at 40 years old, you know? So, so like, like with me, like I, 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 what I talk about, I've experienced both ways, you know? So, so, you know, to me, it's, 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 um, it's not theory. It's, it's, it's practical. And so obviously there's a lot of things I could talk about, but like one thing that I've been very helpful in my marriage and actually something that comes out in some of my coaching sessions when it comes to, to relationships, it's how to manage conflict because conflict is inevitable. It's what happens after the conflict. And so, for example, like in my first marriage, whenever conflict happened, it created a wedge that just kind of grew wider and wider and bigger. And over time, it destroyed the the relationship, you know, whereas what I found now is that in my marriage, obviously, we have conflict, we're not perfect. But the way we deal with that conflict makes all the difference. And actually, that when you deal with the conflict productively, it brings the, the couple closer together, you know, because I used to think that, you know, conflict is a sign of more trouble to come. And it's like, oh, my goodness, that's what they talk about on TV, that, you know, marriage never works. It's just misery. And just, you know, it's, a, it's an endless compromise. And you just you just pray to God that, you know, the, all, you, you, uh, that you can minimize that conflict and, and it doesn't lead, lead to divorce. 
um, because it's it's never a good thing. But but one thing that I found in, in my marriage is that you know conflict can actually lead to a, a deeper relationship. And I, I'll give you an example. Uh, my wife is a huge uh, animal lover. You know, she's got three dogs and a cat. I, I grew up in communist Poland where, you know, it's not like we're abusive to animals, but animals had a place and a purpose, you know? So for example, my, my uncle had a dog because he was a hunter, you know, yeah. my grandma had a dog because the dog was, you know, uh, patrolling the perimeters, you know, you did not take that dog to, to take pictures with Santa <laughs> and, and dress up in costumes. And so, so to me, it was a, it was a big adjustment uh, when I first met her and, and, and uh, I started living with her because what happens after we got married, we, I moved into her house. Uh, and so lo- long story short, there was this one specific time where I was on the recliner and, you know, I was like tucking the footrest on the recliner. Yeah. And then my wife came up to me and like, oh, be careful, be careful, because you don't want to crush our little cat. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what? You're like, like what, what are the odds of that? And, you know, it sounds so s- silly, like when I talk about it, but I think all, all, of you, all of you men out there can relate that all these arguments, when you look from the outside, they're stupid, but in the moment right. you feel very insulted. And so <laughs> and in that moment, I felt very insulted because, you know, it kind of brought me back to my childhood wounds where, you know, my grandfather was super critical. And so to me, like Asilia was, was the way it came across to me was like, hey, she's criticizing me just like my grandfather is. Because obviously, you know, there's no way I can crush the little hat in little, little cat with the, with the footrest. It's just so out there. And so I, I got angry with her. I, obviously, I didn't scream at her, but it's just, you know, I kind of did the, a very typical men thing to do, which is I went to the cave, you know, I gave her the yeah. same treatment. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about not like lashing out in a moment, but, you know, uh, but I, I went, essentially, I went to my cave and it, it you know, it, it took me a few hours to realize it, but it's like, hey, I, this is not how I want my marriage to be. And so, you know, uh, I forget the exact amount of time, probably like a few hours later, you know, I, I was like, hey, can we talk about it? And I explained to her, it's like, hey, baby, you know, I, I, when, when you said that, it, it really hurt me because I, I just felt like you were criticizing me for no reason. And, you know, it kind of brought me back to my childhood and, and you know, apologies, but I just want to make sure that you see where I'm coming from. And then what she said is like, hey, I totally get it. You know, the reason why I'm really so close to my animals is because, my, my parents didn't give me enough attention. I, I grew up with, uh, with, with dogs. And so the, the, most experience, the most love I've experienced was from my, from my animals. And so like right now, that's why I'm so close to my animals and I feel so protective of them because I feel like it's the animals that, that, that gave me the love that I didn't have as a child. And so that was, that was very helpful to me to realize is that, you know, this is not just about putting outfits on dogs and taking pictures. This is something that, you know, really helped her growing up. And that's why she's also attached to these, to, to these animals. And so that, that was a perfect opportunity where we kind of saw each other's perspectives. And through that conflict, we got to know each other deeper. And that actually strengthened our relationship. Oh, that is so great. Exposing, in your case, vulnerability, you know, being curious, asking some questions, sharing something, you know, that... And we all have that. We all have something as kids that triggers us mm-hmm. and it's taken me years to work through it. And I used to be the best at the silent treatment. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's actually very common. Like I, I, I read that book, men are from Mars, women are from Venus or vice yeah. versa. And as it turns out, uh, that's actually a very common men's trend. I mean, obviously some men lash out, but most of the men, they go to the cave and then they shut down. And, you know, it's obviously, I think it's better than yelling at people. Yeah, but it's still not the uh, a productive way of handling conflict. There's there's better ways to do it. <laughs> yeah, and how, how simple would that be if we just open up to our wives, ask a couple questions, yeah. apologize for getting yeah, angry, yeah. and then yeah. in your case, your wife says, "Hey, I wasn't getting on your case. I was just coming from 
mm-hmm. I'm afraid that our cat was going to get wounded because mm-hmm. I love them like, like a kid or like a family member or what have you. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. relates back to my childhood also where yeah, she yeah. had her own, her own issue, something mm-hmm. so simple, but yeah. Uh, my, I remember many, many times my wife and I, something would trigger us. And then, you know, I might be gone for maybe three days or so mm-hmm. <laughs> still in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so one thing to remember that even though I'm a coach and I get paid to do this, it doesn't mean that in the moment I can come up with these questions. It's okay to, you know, take some time to digest it and then come, come in when you're ready. And in fact, uh, you know, especially when you're new to this, it, it's best thing not to act on it in the moment, just kind of, you know, go to your cave, kind of collect your thoughts. And when the emotions come down, have that conversation. But, you know, I, I think part of the problem is like a lot of times we assume that once conflict happened, it's, it's damage done and we just need to, you know, keep quiet so we don't get more damage. But the fact of the matter is, is that you can, you can go back to that moment. And in fact, please go back to the moment because when you have a constructive conversation, what uh, seems like a damage or a wound is actually something that, uh, that can enhance relationship. And so, for example, in my case, you know, am, am I like a huge animal lover? No, but I don't roll my eyes anymore when my when my wife puts <laughs> costumes on them. I'm supportive to them because I just realized how important it is for her. Yeah, and had you known that before that incident, mm-hmm. probably could have worked through that a lot better. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And then working only, together yeah. in good times to work yeah. through things to help prevent things. Yeah. And when things do happen, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you know, if you need, take us take a minute or take an hour, take a few hours. And mm-hmm. I've heard some people say, hey. Would it be right if we reconnected in maybe an hour or so? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yes. discuss yeah, because, this right now is not a good time for me. Yeah. Because and, I, I knew that my wife was a, is an animal lover, but understanding why really helped me to, to understand where she's coming from. Because up until that point was very superficial. And quite frankly, I was judgmental of it. But once I figured out the why, oh, no worries. You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've discovered over time is people that have uh, done some things in a very successful kind of way. So rangers, SEALs, uh, mm-hmm. executive leadership coaches, people mm-hmm. that have been in an executive mm-hmm. position, they have had something that I discovered over time myself, something called imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, my my imagination tells me that you've probably run into that as well. This comes up a lot in my coaching sessions. And, and it's not something that is particular to any group of people like women, men, uh, or high level new employees. It's just all across the board. And uh, I'm just stumped how many sessions I, I talk about the imposter syndrome. And, you know, to some some people, it's, it's worded differently. Some people call it the inner crit- critic. Some people call it gremlins. But the core idea behind that is, is these, these, these accusatory thoughts that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. You know, typically the, the breakdown between men and women is that uh, typically at the core of those, the inner critic for men has to do something about not being strong enough. And for women, it tends to be about not, not, be, not being enough, not doing enough. You know, that's, that's kind of like typically the main distinction, but men, hmm. women, they, 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 they all get them. And so... Like just maybe it's just like a practical practical tip for for your audience. Like when this comes up, like one of the most effective tools that I found dealing with the inner critic is is giving it a name. You know, because what happens is that you know we have thoughts, and because the thoughts were were always in us since since we were born, since we became aware, we assume that our thoughts are our identity. You know, and so we we think that you know these negative thoughts are just fact of life. 
So it's very helpful to in, in, in addressing these negative thoughts is give them a name, give them an identity. So, so it helps you realize that they're not part of you. And so like what one helpful step is to give your um, inner critic a name. And, you know, the best thing to do is just give it a name that really resonates with you. So I'll give you an example. Like one time I was, I was coaching this lady from Amsterdam and she's, uh, she's uh, spoke English very well. But then I wonder, like, you know, there, um, even though she speaks English, it's in, like a different country, you know, different use, different terms. Yeah. And yeah. like when, when I was asking her to, to name her inner critic, I was like, there was a lot of quiet, quiet, you know, time. I was like, man, did, does she understand what I'm talking about? Does she like think I'm crazy? And she's like, I got the name. I was like, oh, really? Like, what is it? But I, I don't know if I should, should name it. Like, I, I don't know if I should use that name. I was like, well, no, just tell me what it is. And you know what, what, what name she gave to her inner critic? annoying bitch <laughs> you know and so and so what i'm trying to get at with these with these names you want to you want to have something that gives you a laugh and makes you realize how stupid like how stupid no no read that you are how stupid it sounds you know my so, my name is little buddy yeah so or like like there, there was a gem like you know he called it uh bed bob or or nasty nancy you know just so, something that yeah. really, that makes you realize that you know that voice inside of you that that was like a voice of authority it's really this little gremlin that has no significance and like, why am I listening to it? And so that's exactly why I use little buddy. Yeah. There you are again. You're like so humorous and so funny and you've got all these little cutesy things you want to do and you Mm want to mess me up. I don't have time for you, little buddy. Go ahead and get out of here. Yeah. exactly. Dismiss the thought. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, that's why it's a good thing just to give it, you know, a name that makes you laugh, make, makes it little, because that's what it is. It's, 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 it's a voice that we gotten so used to that it, became a voice of authority but it's just like you know emperor has no clothes it's it's really nobody uh, that we we've over time give, given authority to and so you know whenever that those negative thoughts come you can say hey i appreciate your opinion little buddy but and then and then and then have some kind of an affirmation but you know i am smart i, I got this and then and 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 you know step into to working whatever you're working on because the way our brains are designed uh, there's been a study that negative thoughts have uh, four times as much charge as positive thoughts. You know, obviously from the evolutionary standpoint, and even nowadays, you know, when you're, you know, on a highway, if somebody cuts you off, you don't want to be thinking about your strategic moves. You want to focus on, on, the, on the immediate danger, right? So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very helpful thing. But the problem with that, what that is, is that uh, our brains tend to focus on, um, on what's comfortable. And so instead of like actually taking action, we, we dwell on these thoughts and they have a life of their own that really slows you down. So that's why it's helpful to identify those thoughts, call them out for they are, and replace them with affirmation and get after it. Because over time, that's how you create new brain circuits. So that way, next time it happens, uh, you, you'll take action, you, you, you'll, you'll switch the, the thought patterns and, and you, waste more, you waste less time uh, worrying about things. You'll take more action, which in turn, it's like a muscle will grow on its own and, and it will help you to, to perform and the more you perform, the more results you have. The more results you have, the more proof you have to your little buddy. Yeah. Just how full of crap he really is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's up to you guys, folks. Whichever way you want to go. If you want to go to the negative way or the positive way, you're mm-hmm. going to build these super highways mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to go really fast either direction. And so you know, you and, and then, the, the, and then the, the benefit that we have. So like um, a lot of the, the executive coaching I do is in secular world. But what I believe it's it's actually even more helpful for those positive affirmations to use a, a scripture verse. You know, yes, for example, like yeah. with, with me, like when I have my inner critic, I, I my, my favorite ones goes is, is uh, Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Christ who me. Strengthens me, yes. Yeah, and so so having those those biblical affirmations is is something that uh, I, I believe is, is an advantage to us as Christians. 
Yes. Yes. So, so good. Uh, I love 413. I love mm-hmm. 48. I love 49. I've got a friend of mine who's got all of Philippians memorized. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's only two and a half pages or five pages, six pages, depending on like, <laughs> so it's so cool. But uh, 48 is study and mm-hmm. 49 is uh, practice. So Amen. study, practice, and teach helps us learn, learn things. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, those affirmations are so good. I am worthy. I am enough. I am smart. Mm-hmm. I am strong. I am powerful. Mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens yeah. me. So yeah. yeah, so, so good. And, and you know, one, one thing to keep in mind is that we always use affirmations. And if we don't use positive affirmation, that means we are using negative affirmations. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, so, yes, so, absolutely. So, so, so that's why, you know, and then a lot of times we just don't realize it. So hopefully the, the men who are listening, you can kind of think about well, like, what, what kind of thoughts do I have? And if you have those negative thoughts, you know, use that little tip uh, to help you step out of them uh, because there's nothing good that comes out of those negative affirmations. And a you thought, you, a question you can ask, a filter you can use is, would I say that thought to my friend? Would I yeah, tell them yeah. that? Yeah. Why am I telling it to myself and why am I believing it myself? Yeah. And then like another, another thing that's very powerful, I think it was Brene Brown who said it, that if you're looking for a proof that you don't belong, you always find it, you know? Yes. So by default, you always find proof that you don't belong. You're not worthy. And so that's why it's so important to use affirmations to program yourself. Yeah. To to, whatever you're looking for, seek and you will find it. Exactly. And then with affirmations and rejecting, take captive the thought it's in the Bible. There's so much wisdom in the Bible. So read the Bible, read the Bible, read it with a group of people, do a devotional, be involved in groups, uh, helps so, so much. So we always love to end the podcast with a challenge. Mm -hmm. Can you think of a challenge for the men this week, for the dads this week to, to step Mm. into and engage maybe something that they could do for a week or a day or something? You know, so I actually, um, I, I believe that the best way to practice is to is to involve somebody else, you know, to, to be the change you wish you had. I think it was Gandhi who said it. You know, there's a lot of self-help books. And I think it was Simon Sinek who had a good observation is that, you know, the, actually the best way to help yourself is help somebody else. And so like one of the things we talked about is, is you know, the, the theme of perseverance. I talked about it beginning, you know, when it came to swimming. Also, we talked about the inner critic, how the inner critic how has us doubts makes us doubt, which, uh, which uh, makes us less likely to, to follow through on something. And so h- how about this as a challenge, you know, make it a point for the next week, every day to compliment somebody, you know, whether that's your kid, your, your wife, your coworker, uh, because that does two things. When you compliment somebody, you, it's, it's very likely that you can start that pay, pay it forward effect, you know, but it's also like when you compliment somebody, it, it makes you find things that you appreciate in that person. And when you find that and you see how people respond, it, it will be much more likely that you will keep up that practice and it will be much more likely that you will do these exercises because you see how seemingly silly things like complimenting somebody have a big impact. You know, for example, I was in corporate America where people got paid a lot of money and guess what? They were miserable. And instead of getting a, a, a huge, I'm not saying that you, you know, money is not important. It definitely is. But a lot of the times, you know, you know, the, the simplest things that are free, like compliments would have went a long farther than the pay raise that, uh, that the person has gotten, you know? And so it, it's very underrated. And it's one of those things that it takes practice because by default, we focus on the negative. And so when we have somebody modeling it for us, when we are the example, it's, it's, it's much more likely they're going to follow through. And so please make it a habit 
every day compliment somebody, see how powerful it is and keep continuing it because we need more people doing it uh, because that's how we build communities and that's how we encourage each other. And that's how we grow as a body of Christ. Oh, that is a fantastic challenge. I love it. I'm glad I let you pick it instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were you like, oh, I got one. I was like, no, no. <laughs> that one is so simple and something I wouldn't have come up with. It's something I do every day and it's paid dividends over and over and over again. So I want to start right now with, with implementing that right now. So thank you, Matic, for being so open, so honest, so vulnerable and giving of your time. We haven't even talked about your fantastic book yet, The Love Driven Man, How to Open Your Heart to What Matters Eternally. So everybody check out his book, dive in. I, I just genuinely appreciate how loving you are and how that just flows through you and uh, to the people I've seen you interact with and appreciate you just literally opening the book and saying, whatever you want to talk about, I'm game. Like, let's go for it. Love the passion you have for your love of God, love of Christ, and just you're real, man. You're real. I, I love it. And we need more real men like you that share the gospel and share their love of Christ with others. So thank you, Merrick. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just fantastic to connect and, and, and talk. And so if you guys ever have anything on your heart or, or you heard something that really struck with you, please go to my website, marekrudak.com. There's an opportunity to to schedule an appointment. And so if, if there's something that uh, you're struggling with or, or you know want to discuss, uh, I'm more than happy to talk to you. It's just 15 minutes complimentary appointment. And uh, I'll, I'll do my best to give you some free advice and tips to help you make those little changes that over time amount to a lot of big things. Fantastic. Fantastic. And we'll put that in the, uh, the mm -hmm. show notes also. So website and link to the book and everything else. So thank you very much. And I look forward to talking to you again here soon, soon. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. My pleasure guys. God bless you guys and talk to you soon. God bless you, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.